All right, I didn't make any notes or any outline for this episode, which could be a mistake. We're going to find out. Let's get right into it. All right, so from Wikipedia, the First Amendment to the United States Constitution prevents the government from making laws that regulate an establishment of religion or that prohibit the free exercise of religion or abridge the freedom of speech, the freedom of the press, the freedom of assembly, or the right to petition the government for redress of grievances. All right, so I'm going to focus mainly on the freedom of speech part, although a lot of those other little things in there are, are, you know, part of this as well. So freedom of speech in the United States. This is something that everybody, you know, when we think of, uh, you know, the American dream or the core values of the United States of America, we, we think about freedom, right? We think about freedom of speech, especially. And I think a lot of people would agree with me. Well, you get mixed opinions on this, but that freedom of speech and a lot of other freedoms have been in jeopardy for quite some time, and particularly the pandemic um, really put it even more in jeopardy. That's kind of the best way I can put it, um, that there have been a lot of different, sometimes not so direct, but lots of subtle restrictions on freedom of speech. And this is something that I wanted to look into a little bit more because um, you know, I feel like a lot of times we live in this world where we have so much information flying all around us. And I've talked on this podcast many times about the effect that social media has and the, you know, that none of us can actually sit down and just read, you know, even an article, let alone a book or something like that uh, about a topic. And we see a, a 20 word tweet or some like Instagram or Twitter or TikTok thing that said something about a very important political issue or whatever, and we're like, oh my God, there's no more freedom of speech or something like that, right? And, I, you know, I, I'm one who I've expressed kind of my views on the pandemic on this, this podcast before. I'm one who believes that in general, the response to the pandemic was overblown in the sense of had we mostly lived our lives in you know pretty much a normal way without doing things like a lot of the the lockdowns the mandatory masks and then of course mandating the vaccine in a lot of different ways i think that we would have probably been better off um i think that the virus was definitely real um and maybe that certain precautions should have been taken but that essentially that it was overblown and i think that like you know, I have a whole episode about COVID that I talked about a few months ago, but like, if you ask me, if you put a gun to my head, I don't know. I don't think that hardly anybody knows. I think that the people who do or did know are probably dead at this point. But, but, um, if you ask me, I would guess that COVID did come from the lab in Wuhan, but I'm guessing it was probably a mistake, like not necessarily an intentional thing. But then I think a lot of powerful people took advantage of the situation um, to make a lot of money and to control people in a lot of different ways. So anyway, and I think that, you know, maybe half of you listeners might kind of agree with that. Half of you might disagree, whatever it is, what it is. But um, I think it's almost undeniable at this point that freedom of speech, particularly in the U.S., became a bit more restricted during the pandemic just because certain people who had opinions that were different than the official, well, let's call it the government line or the mainstream media line, which kind of all went together. Well, I guess it depends on whether or not it was when Trump was president versus when Biden was president. Anyway, but um, people who spoke out against the main narrative were silenced in a lot of different ways, whether it was being removed, banned from Twitter, Instagram, other media platforms, etc. And so, 
you know, uh, I, I got looking into this a little bit more because I wanted to, you know, this core tenet of the United States, this this free speech tenet and just that whole First Amendment. I wanted to look into it a little more to really understand, like, okay, what exactly does this mean? And, and more so, like, what things are not supposed to be protected, right? Because if you, you know, if it, like... See, this is why I'm not a lawyer, because like the, <laughs> these rules and these laws are freaking complicated, and you know there are parts of there are certain types of speech which are not protected under the free speech, uh, you know, clause or free speech thing, right? <laughs> this is why I'm not a constitutional scholar either, because I call it the free speech thing. I can't think of a better word for it. All right, so um, it talks about where does it have it here? So what are the types of um, speech that are not protected? You have obscenity, child pornography, defamatory speech, false advertising, true threats, and fighting words. Okay, so these are some of the categories that are not protected. If you say something that falls into those categories, um, you can be prosecuted for it, or you know that you're not protected. Your speech is not protected when you say something like that. Okay, and so you know I got thinking about it, and, and obviously, like a big part of the reason that some of these people were silenced that had differing opinions than the mainstream line is because. And some of these people were very, very credible, and I think a lot has come out now to prove that they were right in many cases. But a lot of people were saying, you know, these people should not be allowed to say what they're saying, or they should be silenced, essentially because this pandemic is very serious, and we need everyone to be on board, and they're providing, you know, they're putting out misinformation, and it could be very dangerous if more people hear what they're saying, because what they're saying is wrong or misinformation, right? And that this pandemic, you know, is something we've never seen before, and so we need to silence them. And, you know, that makes sense if that's, you know, someone's point of view. That point of view makes sense. I disagree with that point of view, but that makes sense why certain people came to that conclusion. Okay, now I'm just looking at the, you know, the law itself and, and trying to understand, like, if it falls into any of those, those categories. You know, so if someone comes out, for example, you know, early on in the pandemic and basically says, you know... Um, this pandemic is, you know, the, the COVID death rate is actually, God, I'm going to get such a big blue tick on this episode, by the way, to learn more about COVID-19 <laughs> sticker that they put on episodes <laughs> when you talk about it and they send you to the CDC website. But anyway, um, all right. So, you know, if someone comes out early in the pandemic, let's say, and says, you know, the death rate on this is really low. I don't think that, um, you know, uh, doing these lockdowns is a good idea. I think that kids should be back in schools. Um, I don't think that the masks work very well. Maybe an N95 works better than those, you know, standard masks that we're wearing. Um, and I'm skeptical about a vaccine, you know, like all these random things that were going against the, the government line, right? Someone comes out and says something like that. You know, does that fall into the category of, of obscenity? No, it does not. Is it child pornography? No. Is it defamatory speech? No, you're not talking not saying unless you were sitting out there and saying like Anthony Fauci's a dickhead and a-hole and he's wrong about everything and he's a loser and he should have never gotten his position well like maybe that's defamatory speech I don't know false advertising okay I mean I don't think it you could say it's false if you disagree with it even though it's an opinion anyways we don't really know so false advertising no true threats and fighting words okay I mean if you see it like as a truth that's the only one like that it could fall into the category of in the sense of it being like a threat to society. But I don't think that's what they mean here. I think what they mean is like a true threat. Like, I am going to kill you if you don't do this. Like, that's a threat, okay? Um, heck, you know, here's a funny part, all right? I know this is, this is not a laughing matter in any way, but one of the funny things, like, you want to hear a true threat. Was it the Biden uh, White House? 
<laughs> you can tell I'm not that big of a fan of the Biden White House. Uh, nothing against Biden. He's just an old man that's trying to hang in there. But um, I don't think he knows anything that's going on. But but like I think it was like in uh, coming upon the winter of like 2021, like late 2021, I think it was, like where the Biden White House, they put out a statement saying like those of you who are not vaccinated are going to be facing a winter of destruction and death or something like that. Like that to me kind of seems like a true threat. Coming from the White House itself, but anyway, um, that legitimately happened. I'm not lying; that happened definitely. Um, so anyway, um, but okay, you get my point. So like, I tried to figure out like why some of these people were silenced and things like that, and it definitely doesn't seem to fall into any of those categories, right? Now, here's the tricky part of this: is that you know when people were being silenced during the pandemic, let's say you know whether it's I don't know. Alex Berenson, uh, you know, very popular journalist and author, was getting uh, kicked off of Twitter, things like that, multiple times because he was providing very good evidence, very good evidence for why uh, we should be taking a different um, approach to to COVID. Um, you know, he went on Joe Rogan once or twice. Joe Rogan himself became a very, very controversial figure during the pandemic. Um, and as you guys can probably tell, I follow him a lot because he brings on a lot of fascinating guests who are very intelligent from a lot of different fields. Um, and he's extremely intelligent himself um, and very nuanced in the way he, he'll, you know, discuss these topics. But, but anyway, you know, so someone like Berenson getting canceled and kicked off of Twitter and things like that, right? So the, the tricky part about this is, is it the government that is that is not protecting his free speech. Does that make sense? Because Twitter, of course, is a, you know, it's a, it's a private company, right? And, I, and this is, like I said, this is why I probably, um, I don't know, well, I'm not going to really worry too much about what I say exactly, but like, I'm not an expert on all this, on like the links between these companies and the government themselves, right? Because I've made the argument before that the big tech companies, you know, I don't know, Twitter, Facebook, Amazon, um, what am I missing? Google, God, Google. Uh, that they they have more power now than like the U.S. government really does anyway. I mean, the U.S. government's going to kick their ass in like a nuclear war, or, like a, a military showdown. But like, you know what I mean? Like the, the, the dorks at Google probably don't have a chance against like the the tanks and the the green berets and all that stuff but like but it, just in terms of like influence on society i would argue that big tech is much more powerful at this point than the u.s government or any government um then you know you could debate that but like um yeah and so what you're looking at here is it's these big giant tech companies it's not the government itself that's shutting down free speech in certain ways um so that's when it gets a little tricky um now does that does the government uh, you know and i know this has been debated by a lot of people who are a lot smarter than i am like okay does the government should they be stepping in and you know making it so that twitter doesn't shut people down and now of course you know elon musk took over twitter and according to all of the uh, you know, the Republicans in the U.S., we've been saved because Elon is allowing people back on Twitter. You know, so, so a, a lot of this is very political. A lot of this is which party you identify with. A lot of this is, you know, the information that you hear. And I've said it before many times that especially during the pandemic here in the U.S., um, it was like we were watching two different movies, depending on what news source you were listening to. I stole that line from a friend, actually, the watching two different movies. But it's like people who were, you know, following CNN or MSNBC were getting a totally different, um, you know, picture of information than people who were watching Fox News or some of the more alternative media channels. It was just, it was two totally different pictures. And for those of you who are from outside of the U.S., essentially what happened is let's just call them liberals. 
I'm just going to put them in the categories, uh, who watch CNN or MSNBC more often, you know, were led to believe that the pandemic was, you know, the most dangerous thing in the history of the earth. Um, whereas people on the, you know, the, on the right, you know, follow Fox News, things like that, Republicans were like, this is not a big deal at all in general, you know, and I, of course, for the most part, fell more onto the right side of that. Um, now, the interesting thing is, the crazy thing is, here, here we are at this point in the middle of 2023, and I, in, in my opinion, it seems like most of us, like, even though now we're, like, basically removed from it, you know, God forbid we won't get another, like, variant or something coming soon, but, like, even though it's pretty much over, so to speak, like, you know, COVID is basically over and we've like learned all these things and come to all these conclusions. Most people still believe that they were right from the beginning. Does that make sense? Like the people on the left in the U S are saying, Oh, well finally, you know, it's over because the vaccine saved us. Right. You know, and people on the right are like, Oh, well finally it's over because these people on the left just, you know, stopped worrying about it and realized that it wasn't killing anybody anyway. And we didn't need to do it. You know, that, okay. That's a strong way to put it. I'm, I'm, you know, that I probably should apologize for because obviously a lot of people did die, but I'm just speaking relatively in terms of, if you look at COVID deaths, compared to you know just worldwide deaths in general like statistically it didn't cause that many deaths um compared to all other causes of death around the world but anyway um probably get um you know reprimanded for that and and probably lose my job over that this okay so this brings me to another um point that i want to make here is that on on a personal level like for us as americans we are at an interesting stage where we Sometimes I sometimes I think we might be more worried than we need to, but then at other times I think it's definitely real is we need to be very careful what we say to make sure we don't get in trouble at work and lose our job. Um, and this applies to lots of organizations, particularly you know large corporate organizations like my organization. Um, and I'm not someone who really worries. I don't worry too much like about losing my job. I mean, I think that. Um, you know, like, first off, like if I did lose my job, I actually don't even worry about that that much because there's lots of other opportunities that'll come up. And, um, I'm not someone who's that attached to like my material possessions. So like if I like lost my job and then like lost my condo and my car and all my money and like, you know, I know I have like at least like five people who I could temporarily lived with, live with. And, you know, I have like tons of other ways to make a living and, could live in like a hundred different countries with no problem if it really came to that. So like, I'm not that worried about like losing my job, but, um, but I think all of us who work, especially like in a corporate setting, we know that we have to be very careful with what we say in certain situations about certain political topics, the pandemic being one of them. Um, but there's a lot of other topics in the U S as well. You know, there is, there is definitely an agenda that kind of is pushing, a lot of things that people, and I've talked about some of them on the podcast before, you know, we talk about the, you know, kind of the gender debate now, how essentially in the U.S. it's becoming common practice to say that, you know, it, there are not just two genders, you know, there's male and female, and then there's non-binary, and then there's, you know, well, uh, you know, there's everything. I mean, transgender, cisgender, um, you know, binary, non-binary, um, gender fluid i mean there's all these different things these different categories related to gender and gender and sexual orientation and a lot of people have started really pushing back against that and like you know i'll come out and say it on the podcast right now even though i have i've i have 
let's see, I've probably had three or four, four people, I guess, who identify as transgender that I have a relationship with, and it's always been a good relationship. Um, I will say that I really still just believe that there are two genders, that it's, that it's male and female. Um, and you know, it's funny cause I haven't really directly confronted any of the transgender people that I've met and built a relationship with over the past couple of years. I haven't like confronted them about that. We haven't had the really like tough conversation, like tell me more about, um, your view and you know why you believe this and everything. But anyway, so, so that's, that's a thing in the U S. Okay. And that is a big thing right now in the U S and I think that most of us know, um, to kind of just not touch the subject in general. You know, I mean, and this is how it is in all over the world with different things. I mean, people say, oh, you know, a couple subjects you can't talk about. You can't talk about religion, can't talk about politics, right? Um, the interesting thing is that people actually in general want to talk about these things because we're curious about them and we, we you know, we're, we're just intrigued by these topics. They're very important, but we're told not to talk about them, right? And I think that I will say that it's very real, and there's a lot of evidence of this happening, is that, you know, if, if you say the wrong thing, especially if you're in any position of, like, public, you know, if you're in any sort of a public position at a company where a decent amount of people know you and know what you say, if you say the wrong thing, you're going to lose your job. There's a big risk of it anyway. And a lot of times it can be something that doesn't necessarily fall into those categories, right? The categories of obscenity, child pornography, defamatory speech, false advertising, true threats, and fighting words, okay? Um, you know, and then there's like the whole hate speech category as defined by Wikipedia or defined by Cambridge Dictionary as public, public speech that expresses hate or encourages violence towards a person or group based on something such as race, religion, sex, or sexual orientation. Um, you know, the whole racism topic, I'm not going to do like a big thing on that at this point, but that's a tricky one at this point now in the U.S. as well. Um, and like I said, I think that we all kind of know. I think that we all sort of know you know, those of us who work corporate jobs like I do, um, and like I said, I'm a little more risky with it just by having this podcast, but the good thing is is that nobody from my work listens to this podcast. <laughs> but, like, um, I think we all know that we have to be careful in what settings and in what context we say certain things, and we just censor ourselves. And like I said, sometimes we might be over-exaggerating, but we just, we censor ourselves. We censor ourselves because we're like, no, you know, and I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to risk losing my job. And what becomes dangerous about this is once you have everyone getting into that sheep mentality or that herd mentality where, you know, I mean, the pandemic is a fairly solid example because I think, and, and, and I'll put this, okay, I'll put this in a way that's going to upset probably half of you right now that are listening. But, you know, it's, it's what I believe to basically be true. And the other half of you are going to just be laughing like, yeah. So uh, w what happens when you have a group of people who, when you have a situation where people are afraid to speak their exact opinions on things, you know, they'll say, ah, I'm, I'm just not going to say anything. I kind of disagree, but I'll just go along with this because I don't want to lose my job or my money or whatever. I'll just go along with this. What happens eventually when you have a system where everybody is just saying that? What's the risk of that? Well, the risk of that is then you have... A pandemic with a virus that really wasn't that bad overall and then you convince the majority of a population to take a vaccine that doesn't work very good 
Like that's ex- that's exactly what happened. Like the way I see it, and I know that probably half of you are going to you know really disagree with that statement, and it's fine. And like I said, the main reason you disagree with it is because your information has been different than mine the entire time, based on the sources that you have and the things that you follow. And we and we don't know like what the exact truth is, and that's one of the difficulties uh, that the last few years, particularly here in the U.S., has created. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but, um, you know, it doesn't mean we have to hate each other or anything like that. We just disagree because we've had different information the entire time. But so in my opinion, this is where we're at, is where we're at the point where, you know, because a lot of us became sheep. And here's the thing. See, I got the first two doses of the vaccine. So if you think I'm like an anti-vaxxer, no, like I went back and forth the entire time. Like, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of said, ah, I don't, I think this is overblown. I don't think we should be, you know, masking and doing these lockdowns. I don't think it's really going to help. And I'm skeptical about the vaccine. Then I decided to just get it. And here's the thing. I would say that probably some people were like totally, totally forced to get the vaccine for their jobs. I wasn't totally, totally forced, but it was kind of one of those things where it's like, all right, just give me the damn shot because I know this is going to be just way more hassle if I don't get it and I'm going to be restricted in certain ways. So just give me the vaccine. And I'm guessing that probably maybe 30 or 40%, if not more of the people in the U S who got it felt that way about it. And, um, you know, so we're, we're in a situation where because most of us make a living working for these companies, you know, that there's not that many of us that are our own boss. I'm working on becoming it. Uh, hopefully with my personal training business and other things that I do. But there's not many, that many of us who can make a living for ourselves yet without the assistance of these big companies and or the government, right? And, you know, we all, you know, in a certain way, all of these companies are influenced by the government and the mainstream narrative. I know that's, a, that's I know people are not going to like that line. Like when I say the mainstream narrative, it's like, oh, define it. Define the mainstream narrative. You're just making up shit here. But I think most of you get what I mean, all right? So most of us are not able to make a living very good on our own. We're not able to make money for ourselves without these big companies or institutions that we work for, okay? Now, that puts us in a dangerous position when we don't feel confident speaking our true opinions about things, okay? And so... That's why, you know, you have people, the people that can can run their own business, that can make money on their own, that don't need the help of these big, you know, institutions and, um, you know, and companies as their primary source of making a living, they have a lot more freedom of speech right now, okay? And I get it that like everybody, you know, if you do bad enough, the government, if you say things that, that the government or the, these companies hate enough or that they disagree with enough, they're going to come after you in some way, right? Um, but... In general, people that are able to make a living on their own, you know, they have their own businesses, whatever. Um, They're not dependent on these companies and governments. They have a lot more free speech in general. And that's actually kind of a, um, a, you know, a big goal of mine. That's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why I'm trying to make sure that within the next five years or so, I, I get, I detach myself from the corporate world here in the U.S. Don't tell my bosses that I said this either. <laughs> no, but I mean, heck, I said five years. This isn't like a two-week notice. This is a five-year notice. But like, you know, the plan is essentially I want to be able to just make money for myself completely without needing a big company. Now, I actually did this before when I was in my 20s when I was a, an interpreter and I was even able to travel and work remotely sometimes. But unfortunately, that job doesn't pay enough um, to make any sort of real impact. I want to have enough money that I can make a little bit more of an impact. Um, and I also want to make enough money that way 
women will be attracted to me because most women are gold diggers. <laughs> Sorry, you didn't expect that. You didn't expect that to be. You guys, you know you didn't expect that to be thrown in on this serious episode about free speech in the pandemic. But uh, the point is I haven't figured out yet, yet a way to make six figures, for example, $100,000 a year. Um on my own yet yet i'm in the process of it and the goal with that then is once i get there then i will have earned a lot of my free speech back because i won't be restricted by the fact that i work for a company or institution that makes sure they keep everything in line politically correctly with the the mainstream narrative and there's that word the mainstream narrative again so i'll earn some of that free speech back once i can truly make a good living for myself um yeah, I don't know. Man, you talk about some of the controversial topics that I've talked about. I mean, this is definitely one of them. Um, I think that's really all I wanted to put out there for now. Yeah, that was 24 and a half minutes, I think, of, of free speech. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll call it good for now. And just some stuff for you to ponder, you know. Um, if there's parts of it you disagree with or even that you agree with, you know, hit me up. You guys know where to find me. All right. Love y'all. Peace.